Well, hey everyone, thanks for joining us today for this message. Um, it's called Dating Dopamine. It's in the middle of our series, Let's Talk About Sex. And you might be wondering, why is the church talking about sex? Well, good question. Turns out the Bible says quite a lot about relationships, about sex, about marriage. And I, in my experience, when, when the church is reluctant to talk about topics, particularly topics that everyone's talking about anyway, let's be honest, um, the thinking of the day is shaped by whatever the dominant voice in the culture is. And that can sometimes be good and it can sometimes be bad. And so I think it's really important that we uh, shape our understanding of big topics like this from the Bible and also that we actually understand that God's perspective on sex is not outdated, um, it's not um, you know old and boring. The Bible actually teaches us that, that God's perspective on sex is incredibly positive, it's reasonable, it's logical, it aligns with science, and uh, it's, it's actually a great perspective on life that is gonna help you to flourish as a human being. And so I want you to have full confidence and uh, just invite you into the rest of the series. We have done a few weeks already that have been pretty key topics, so I'd encourage you to go check them out as well as we lead into and this um, thing right here. So I want to read you a, a scripture from uh, the Apostle Paul in, in uh, 1 Corinthians um, 7. And this is what he says in verse 32. It says, I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to please the Lord. But the married man is anxious about worldly things, how to please his wife. And his interests are divided. And the unmarried or betrothed woman is anxious about the things of the Lord, how to be holy in body and spirit. But the married woman is anxious about worldly things, how to please her husband. I say this for your own benefit, not to lay any restraint upon you, but to promote good order and to secure your undivided devotion to the Lord. So I wanted to start with this because what Paul is explaining here is that marriage will add complexity to your life. And uh, that can be good complexity and bad complexity, but he's making the case here, and as the Bible also teaches, that one is not preferable to the other. Marriage is not better than singleness, and singleness is not better than marriage. They, those are two good, viable options in the eyes of God about how we should navigate through life. And Paul here, as a single person, is saying, just so you know, life is simpler when you're single. <laughs> it's not as complicated. I mean, it makes sense because what the Bible describes as marriage is two people becoming one. Two purposes aligning, your goals and your focus and, and your future becoming aligned together, your vulnerabilities and the intimacy and becoming one in all that you do, living a life that is not just about you. You're not just making decisions on behalf of yourself anymore, you're now thinking about another person. And Paul's saying, that's good, that's a beautiful, wonderful thing, but you don't, you don't have to feel uh, uh, like that is the only option for you. And I love what he said there, I'm not saying this to restrict you. And I think it's really important as we start this message where we're going to be talking uh, about dating, pretty much, um, that, that you understand that that's the perspective we're coming at today. Uh, we are talking about dating, um, but here's what I want you to understand, because there is pressure in our culture, there's pressure from within the church, there's pressure definitely from your parents <laughs> to get married, to settle down and all of those things. When are you going to meet someone? And I just want you to know that that's not actually the biblical perspective. Uh, the Bible really values marriage as a beautiful thing and it really values singleness. Jesus was single, Paul was single. So we don't, we don't have to look far to see that that is the truth. And so in everything that I say here, I'm not pitching it to you as uh, this is what you need to do. This is just me 
talking about dating because a lot of people are asking a lot of questions about how do we do dating in, in 2022? And how do we do it in a godly way? Uh, because if you are here today and you do want to meet someone and you do want to, uh, you know, get married and you're struggling with some things in the culture about how you go about that. Um, and uh, Emma and I, my wife, we've been married uh, 12 years and um, we've got four kids. And even in those last 12 years, uh, there's been a lot of shifts in how dating works. Uh, but I really want to speak into today with some stuff that is going to be helpful. But I want you to know that I don't want you to feel any pressure from me today about how you should live your life. You get to choose. <laughs> but if you are interested in meeting someone and getting to know someone, and ultimately becoming married, um, then I think you'll find this um, really helpful. Um, so, um, so Paul is saying here that marriage is, 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 is complex. In other words, it's a risk. Marriage is a great risk that also potentially has a great reward. The reward of intimacy, the reward of unity and sex and everything else that, that comes when you align the wonders of companionship, etc. that is good. But it is a risk. <laughs> exposing your soul to another person. That is risky. And so the dating process is, is, is a part of this exploration of assessing the risk. <laughs> is this the right person that I want to align the rest of my life with so that we can go together? And so you, you know there's a lot of pressure on dating right now because you really want to get it right. And in the world of our culture, um, dating has become something that is no longer uh, a means to an end, marriage, but it has also become something in itself. And why is that? It's because <laughs> we now live in a, in a culture that is so sexualized that you can have everything in advance. Uh, people are expecting, we're going to sleep together before we get married. Uh, people are expecting to try before they buy. What if we're not compatible? You know, what if, what if it doesn't work, work well? You know, I need to be with someone who's compatible. And all these sorts of ideas which are completely false. <laughs> uh, but, but these are the, the common thoughts of today in our culture. And so you can live with a lot of tension. Even, even in the Christian space, you can go on dates and people have got expectations and, and, and it's very hard to have those sort of conversations when you first meet someone. So how do we navigate dating today? Well, we have to understand that dating is supposed to be about the idea of exploring marriage, the possibility of marriage. Having said that, it, it doesn't mean that we have to be so uptight about who we date that we simply uh, put so much pressure on those relationships that we never really get the chance to get to know people. Uh, no, no, it's okay to date someone you're not going to marry. Uh, not if you know in advance, but it's okay to get to know someone and decide, hey, this didn't actually work out. So we need to create a culture where we're not ringing wedding bells every time someone goes on a date, or hangs out, whether that's in church or outside of church or whatever. We need to just lighten everything in our culture. And I really pray that we can create that um, in our community and C3 um, reflect. And, and so uh, what, what, what do we do? We're, we're looking to, to, to go on a date, but we don't want to go through that, 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 that the, 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 the navigation problems of the culture that we live in. So what's the first thing we do? Well, we normally look for somebody who we can date within our church, right? Within the local church. And this can work really well. Em and I met in church, but it was a bigger church. So what do you do if you're in a smaller context? And let's be honest, the pool of people you might be attracted to might not be that high. There might not be many people. There might not be anyone. So what are you going to do? Well, the popular solution today is to move to a dating app. And there are a number of Christian dating apps. Now, let me just let me just say this. 
that I, I, we know a number of couples who have met successfully on dating apps, Christian dating apps, and uh, got together and they're now married and very happy. So I, I don't, I'm not against it in, in principle. I think it can really work. But I wanna just offer this thought that for the most part, because we live in a culture that is in some sense addicted to dating, that's why it's called a, a, a dating dopamine, right? Because what we enjoy the most is, is, is the chase. Because everything comes up front, because culture is now sexualized, we, we, we don't understand that there is a prize, which is marriage, which is lifelong that you explore, that deepens the wonder of intimacy and vulnerability and closeness and, and togetherness. But, but because we're now just about the chase, we're about the dopamine, we're about the flirting, things that are, are being released in our brain, chemicals are being released. When you hold hands for the first time, and the way they look at you and those things and those romantic things that are good things. But now everything's about the romantic things. Now everything's about the dating process. And so by nature, what you end, to end up finding is that dating apps end up being full of lots of people who are looking for the rush of dating, looking for the dopamine fix. And I'm generalizing here because as I've said already, it does work for some people. But, but generally speaking, and I know people who've been on these apps and, uh, and they're messaging like 10 girls. <laughs> you know, why? That doesn't seem quite right to me. You know, maybe like one or two, we're starting a conversation, but 10, and it's people are just going through and we can find ourselves as Christians feeling deeply frustrated, thinking how am I supposed to meet someone when I, can't, I haven't got a context for where I can actually get to know someone. I want to just say this this because it's important to say that, that the way God has designed marriage and sex is that commitment is the price for intimacy. In other words, the only test that somebody is, is actually going to stick by you for the rest of your life. <laughs> the only test that someone is suitable for a long-term marital covenant where they're going to say, I am for you. I'm not for what I can get from you. I'm not about how I can be gratified by you. I'm not about meeting my needs, but I'm actually gonna live my life for you. I'm gonna live my life to accelerate your purpose. The only way we know if someone is, is quality, has those sort of qualities is whether they are prepared to commit to you. So friends, let's just start by, by, by tearing down the lie that, that we need to sleep with people to check that they're okay. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to get married. No, you need to understand commitment is the price for intimacy. And if someone will not wait, and we can find ourselves in situations, can't we, where we can be dating someone or in a relationship with someone and we start to feel pressure. And it's the choice is, am I going to lose this person or are we going to enter somewhere that I actually didn't want to enter? But now you're under pressure and now you're scared of losing that person. And so we find ourselves in a place. And time and time again, very sadly, we see, and often it's one way, not the other. Time and time again, we see that unfortunately those relationships break down. Not always, but very often. And sometimes people will be living together and they love Jesus and they're Christians and then someone gets pregnant and then the guy's gone. And it's very tragic because God has a design to protect us and protect our futures, which is called a covenant relationship called marriage. So friends, let's not compromise. Let's not compromise. Uh, let me encourage 
all my female friends listening, tuning in today, don't, don't compromise on your need for commitment. And men, let me encourage you, don't, don't cheapen this thing. You, you need to learn that commitment is the price for intimacy. And uh, we need to reset the standards in our culture and even within Christendom so that we put sex and marriage and commitment all back in its proper space. Because dating is not the goal. Dating is the exploration process by which we will enter into marriage. When we stay in the dating phase forever, we only ever experience shallow relationship. But when we enter into marriage, that's where we go into the depth of relationship. And so it's part of God's design. So, here's, here's, so what do we do? This is my question. What, what do we do if, if that's what we're up against today and we're feeling frustrated and dating apps aren't very successful, even though sometimes they are, what do we do? I want to bring us back to an age-old principle or thought, a concept, and that is the concept of friendship. I, I know what you're thinking. Friendship, I mean, that seems a bit old school, but uh, let's, let's go with it. Uh, if you ask, I can guarantee you, if you actually talk to people who are married, <laughs> particularly older people, you're going to find that in every successful marriage, the quality of friendship is present. Em and I were friends before we started dating. We were friends for six months. And, uh, you know, I'm just going to say we're in a different context. We were 19 years old when we met. We were in a university context where it was very normal to have a lot of friendships. And we, date, we, we were friends for six months. She liked me. <laughs> I was kind of addressing someone else. But I came around because of our friendship. We got to know each other. And then we started dating and then etc. Life happens. We got married. But, 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 but here's, the, here's the problem with dating that really uh, makes it really hard to get to know someone. And this is where we get the idea in our culture that we need to live with someone before we get married because what if, what if they're not who we thought they were? Well, friendship completely solves that. You see, when we go on a date with someone that we don't really know, we're seeing that person in an artificial environment. Um, you know, we're seeing them in a restaurant. We're seeing them in a, in, a, in a setting where they are outside. They're like a fish outside of water. It's hard to know what they're really like because you're only seeing one side of them. Whereas if you think about how community used to be, and we live in London, a disconnected international city. People are coming in and out. And that's just the reality of our, of our city and our world. But if you think about, about back in the day in village life, you would see how that person interacts with their parents. You would see that person's work ethic. You would see, and this is one of the reasons why it's such a great thing to meet people in church. You see that person serve. You see that person and their prayer life and their spirituality. You see that person's friendships. You get to know a person so well in the context of friendship that a, a romantic date, a dinner, I'm not saying it's bad, but I'm just saying you, it's hard to get to know someone in that context. Old school ways that you get to know someone in their family context, in their friendship context. Now that may not be actually possible today, but the best possible thing that we can do is we can get to know someone in the context of friendship. And here is my question for us today, because it's, this, is, this is important, is, is do you have space for friendship in your life? Because this is a simple numbers game. When you actually think about it, if you have zero friends of the opposite sex that you actually spend time with, well, that you've got zero opportunities to actually <laughs> enter into a dating relationship with someone that you already know. And what happens in that friendship relationship is that you get to discover people's beliefs. 
You get to talk about things before they become issues. When you go on a date with someone and you got to talk about how, um, you know, on the second date about how you're waiting for, for, to be married before you have sex, that, that's just a really awkward thing that doesn't make that, that relationship go very well. You're going to talk about serious topics right when you're first getting to know someone. That's really difficult. Whereas what you'll actually find is in the context of friendship, and I'm, I'm talking about being friends with anyone, Christian or non-Christian, you're going to find that in the context of friendship, we're not dating it, we're just being friends, you're going to get to know a person. And what happens when someone gets to know you? They get to know your faith, they get to know your spirituality, they get to know your belief system, and if they are the right sort of person for you, what's going to happen? They are going to be attracted to you and they're gonna to wanna to hang out with you, and they're gonna to wanna to find out more about you, and then they're gonna to wanna to come to church. And you say, this is a really important thing for me. Let me talk to you about who Jesus is to me. What do we have going on right here? We have someone who might just be about to get saved. We've opened up the pool <laughs> of possible people. How have we done it? Through friendship. Not every friendship is gonna be a date, but we shouldn't see people in that way. But what I wanna encourage us to do is to live a life that has space. Sometimes we're praying to God, saying, God, would you send someone? I mean, this is guys and girls alike. I, I talk to people and I hear girls saying, oh, there's no guys. And I hear guys saying, oh, I just can't, there's no one really right for me. And I'm just thinking, if you guys could just talk to each other, <laughs> if you guys could just hang out, you might actually discover they're actually a great fit. It may not be the case, but the problem is not the pool. The problem is the place that we're looking. We're looking in the wrong places and then we feel frustrated and then we give up and we just think, well, it's too difficult. But the real question is, do we have space for friendship in our life? Do we have space for hobbies in our life? Do we have space for another person? Here's what you need to understand. If you don't have space for friendship in your life, I'm coming in hard now, but this is important for you to, to get. If you don't have space for friendship in your life, you don't have space for marriage. <laughs> because marriage is, the, is like having a best friend that you can hang out with all the time. If you don't have space for another best friend, if you don't have space for any friendships, how are you gonna have space for marriage? You're not, this is, this is what Jesus says in Matthew 13. And this is talking about the kingdom of God, but I think this is a great principle in life that we can actually see in, in verse 44. He says these words, the kingdom of heaven, again, talking about heaven and God, but I think it so applies, is like treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value went and sold all that he had and bought it. Okay, so here's the principle. So you're gonna find that there are wider principles that apply on a more local level. You can't take a hold of the treasure that is marriage. You can't take a hold of the pearl unless you are willing to pay the price for it. What is the price? There has to be space in your life. What did these two guys do? They, they sold everything that they had so that they would have the resource to take a hold of something else. They would have the space to take a hold of this. Friends, we need to understand that God is not just gonna magic someone into your life. If you truly wanna meet someone, can I encourage you, don't wait around. <laughs> I don't mean put yourself out there in the wrong way. I just mean create a life that is social and that is fun and that is healthy. And one of the challenges we have that we didn't have as 19 year olds at university is that as you get a little bit older in your 20s and your 30s, your social life does slow down. 
So you're not going to find that, 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 that life will help you in this. You're going to have to be deliberate. You're going to have to create space in your calendar. And you're going to have to acknowledge the reality that you can't do everything. Here's what I mean by that. We have this idea that God is just going to answer all of our prayers and this guy or this girl of our dreams is just going to drop out of nowhere even though we're not talking to anyone, even though we don't go anywhere, even though we spend so much time at work, even though we're so busy. If we don't create space, God is not going to miracle miracle up anything our way if we're not prepared to let our faith do some talking. If we're not allowed, uh, prepared to let our faith do some working, faith without works is dead. So if we truly and this is only if this is something we want again i don't want to put pressure on what what society says or what your parents say you should or should not do that's simply not the case from my perspective here but if you genuinely want to meet someone that you can spend the rest of your life with you have to have the ingredient of friendship in your life friendship is a prerequisite for experiencing marriage because at the end of the day marriage in 20 30 40 years time you know, the looks are going to fade. <laughs> Some of the qualities that brought you together are not going to be enough. Romance might be a bit down and out. Who knows? Who knows what's taking place in your life in that time frame? But the thing that you will, you will be able to, that will keep you strong in your marriage is a deep companionship and friendship. You can just sit in the same room. You're just hanging out. And you're just there together. I mean, imagine committing to a lifelong relationship with someone you don't like spending any time with. Someone you, you, you're awkward around, someone who's super attractive, but they're, they're just the most boring, uninteresting person. No, you, you want to spend the rest of your life with somebody who you can talk to, someone who you are actually friends with. And you'll find from the context of friendship, you're actually going to potentially open up a romantic relationship. And the second thing I want to ask you today, so the first was, do you have space for friendship in your life? If you don't have, if you don't have friends, um, uh, particularly with the opposite sex, you're going to have to change. You're going to have to change your life. <laughs> but the second thing is this, is, is, is are you the sort of person that you seek to attract? Okay, this is a good one, right? Because everybody thinks in their head that they're the most attractive person. <laughs> and in one sense, our friends don't do, it, do us any help here because they're very kind to us. You're amazing. They don't deserve you. You know, all this kind of stuff, right? So that's great. That's what friends are for. They're here to encourage you and lift your spirits. But, 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 but we have to ask ourselves the question, <laughs> who is the sort of person that we're trying to attract? And, you know, there is this idea in culture that is just false, which just says that person should just be attracted to me. And if they're not just going to seek me out and find me and chase me down and, and, and woo me, Maybe I'm talking more to the girls here, I don't know. Then, then, then that person's not worthy of me. I just feel like that's a really defeatist way of thinking. <laughs> it's not a helpful way of thinking. Instead, we should be thinking always about becoming the best version of ourselves. You see, when we're busy, as Paul says that we're, we're pursuing God. The goal is not marriage either. The goal is to pursue God. The goal is to fulfill our purpose. So we're going to find that, that when we're not taking care of ourselves, when we're not actually active in our purpose, we're not going to attract the same sort of person. And so we can have double standards. We want someone who's taller than us. We want someone who's definitely not younger than us. But, but, but can I just ask you a question? Or what are we actually looking for here? 
Are we looking for somebody who fits our romantic criteria, which may not even exist, or are we looking to someone to have a lifelong covenant with? Are we fooled by the idea of dating and, and Hollywood culture that we see, or do we actually understand what marriage is? Marriage is not just all about looks and feels and money and wealth and all those things. I, the person that I want to marry needs to fit these criteria. Friends, I, I just want to encourage you to take some of your limitations off what that person should be like. Attraction is so important. It's important to be attracted to people. We don't want to get married to someone that we're not, we don't think is hot and awesome. <laughs> but but I, we, we've got to understand that, that we can put a barriers and walls which stop us from ever having the opportunity to get to know that person. And so we need to become the sort of people that we seek to attract. Again, if you want to be single and that's what you want to do, that's great. That's awesome. But if you want to meet somebody, we're going to, we're going to have to start to work on us. <laughs> we're going to have to change who we are. We're going to have to grow in confidence. We're going to have to take care of our bodies. We're going to, we're going to have to do all that stuff. And this is guys and girls all rounds. Let me encourage you while you are waiting to meet the right person, keep working on you. Keep growing you because that's what you should be doing anyway. For the rest of your life, when marriage comes along, you're going to be joined in a, in, in a covenant relation. Two people who are cheering each other on. Two people who are, are sharpening one another, two people who are accelerating each other's purpose and each other's future. Uh, why? Because that's what you were doing before. So it's unlikely that we're going to find someone who fits all of those characteristics if we don't also fit them. <laughs> if we don't also value those things, why would that sort of person be attracted to us? So what does that tell us? If we want to meet a godly person, we want to be married to a godly person, then we better become godly people. If we want to meet an athletic person, then we better become athletic people. If we want to meet an intelligent person who's well-read, then we better become intelligent people who are well-read. If we want to be an interesting person who has hobbies and goes places, then maybe we should become those sort of people. If we want to meet someone who's, who's rich and, and has money, well, maybe we should work on those qualities and developing our skill sets to, to lift our, our economic status too. Because you're going to find that whoever we want to attract, we need to work on becoming. Not that we feel restricted or pressured or any of these sort of things, but we just need to understand the dynamics of how this actually works. Do you have space for friendship in your life? And are you the sort of person that you seek to attract? In my experience, when people do those two things and they work on those two areas, it won't take that long to meet someone. <laughs> and I didn't say that it's any means of criticism or judgment, uh, but I simply just say that it's a practical help and a tool because I know there are people who are deeply frustrated with their experience of all this stuff. And I feel like sometimes the, as a church, maybe not specifically to our church, but I feel like just in the wider church, there can be so many um, obstacles put in our way. One of those things is the idea that that the, the, the men should always uh, chase the woman and that women should never chase the men. I just want to say there's nothing in the, in the Bible that says anything about that. <laughs> I, what the Bible says a lot about is going after what you want, <laughs> being proactive, being decisive. Go pursue the things that you believe God has for you. Don't be held back. For Emma and I, Emma pursued me. I was floating around, not really aware of what I was doing. I was still learning a lot about who I was and really coming into my own in terms of pursuing God and my relationship with God. And as that was taking place, I would just find that wherever I went, Emma was there. And I didn't realize it wasn't weird, but we were just hanging out. And we were just friends. And we were just chatting. And over the course of time, 
it was just like, oh, we're, we are a great match. And then we're dating and then, and then proposed. And, 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 I, and I think, you know, I think we just got to take off some of those limitations so that we can be free. Sometimes it's not about what we need to learn. It's actually about what we need to unlearn. We need to take off some of the cultural things that are happening in our world. We also need to take off some of the things from the Christian side of the world. And we need to bring just a healthy, positive perspective on dating and relationships. I hope this has been helpful today. And let me pray for you as we close um, just in the message. Uh, so God, I thank you right now for every person. I thank you for your grace over their lives. I just pray that you would filter everything that I've said <laughs> so that it would be helpful in their context. There's so many different people right here, right now tuning in. I just pray, God, that you'd give them the mind of Christ. God, I pray, challenge every person that they would be transformed to become stronger and greater in Christ. God, change us to become the best possible versions of ourselves. And God, I pray, give us confidence and courage to put ourselves out there in a healthy way, to develop new friendships and new hobbies. Give us strength and courage to do those things. And I pray, God, for every person where it is in their heart and their desire to meet someone. God, I pray that you would give them a pathway and a framework for doing so. I encourage them, Lord, we pray in the name of Jesus. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you found this helpful. Uh, this has been week four, Dating Dopamine. We'll see you guys soon. God bless you.